Hello, this is the Landscape Ontario podcast. Today we are featuring the audio from the latest LO Task Force Town Hall webinar. On April 14th, the task force was joined by public policy and government relations expert Julie Garner from Earnscliffe Strategy Group. Julie goes through the major government programs that are set up for employers, including the wage subsidy program and uh, WorkShare, among others. So stay tuned for that. And if you'd like to watch this as a video instead, visit Landscape Ontario's YouTube channel. Also, be sure to check out all the COVID-19 resources ELO has at Hortrades.com. And while you're there, register for the weekly town hall webinars, which take place every Tuesday at 10 a.m. But first, we hope you enjoy the town hall webinar from April 14th, 2020. The Landscape Ontario podcast is sponsored by Dynascape Software. ELO members save 15% on Dynascape products, software upgrades, and online training. Visit Dynascape.com for details. And we are live. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Tony DiGiovanni. I'm the Executive Director of Landscape Ontario. We are hosting this town hall webinar every Tuesday at 10 a.m. to give you the opportunity to ask questions, share information, and generally help and support each other through this COVID crisis. Our presenters are members of our COVID task force. The task force meets daily to monitor the situation and to develop strategies aimed at helping you weather this significant storm. Task force members include Alan White, who's the chair, Jeff Olson, John Dursey, David Wright, who's the president of Landscape Ontario, Peter Ganane, Margot Byers, Terry Childs, Lindsay Ross, and Jamie Riddell. They are supported by Landscape Ontario and CNLA staff. These individuals are all facing the same issues you are, and yet they have stepped up to provide leadership and guidance. I know you join me in thanking them for their immense contributions. Today, in addition to answering your questions and concerns, we have a special guest. Julie Garner is from a government relations firm called Earnscliffe. Earnscliffe is providing Landscape Ontario guidance as we speak to politicians about why our profession can be part of the solution, why we need to work, and why we are able to work safely. However, today, Julie will focus her presentation on government support programs. All of you have been significantly impacted by the COVID crisis, and the government has announced many programs to support you and your employees. Julie will help us clarify what those programs are and how you can access them. After Julie's presentation, the task force and Julie will answer your questions. So without further introduction, uh, Julie, maybe you want to talk a little bit about yourself and then go on to your, your presentation. Sure. Thanks very much, uh, Tony, and thank you to Landscape Ontario and all your members for having me here today. Uh, it's been a pleasure for me to work with uh, Landscape Ontario for the last while. We initially became acquainted with one another around the snow and ice insurance issues, uh, and then March 15th hit, and, uh, and we've been thrown into the, the COVID crisis uh, as well. For our firm across the board, we've been trying to support businesses uh, and organizations that we serve, as well as others, to make sure that they can navigate the amount and the amounts amount of information that's coming from government on a regular basis, and be able to make uh, appropriate decisions for their businesses. So, the presentation that I'm going to go through today uh, is uh, an overview of all the different programs, including the wage subsidy uh, details, which were finalized over the weekend. Um, I don't have all of the answers, but certainly our firm and our team. As regular connects uh, on a daily basis with with the ministry 
uh, of economic development at the provincial level as well as the federal level with, with ISED. We're on daily calls with them uh, at 11 o'clock each morning and we can certainly feed in a lot of the questions and answers and we see a lot of the questions and answers that are being asked by business owners and, and organizations across the country. We've been feeding in information and questions from Landscape Ontario and trying to get folks answers um, around uh, the different loan programs, uh, the essential services lists, as well as uh, as the wage subsidy and sort of uh, the gross revenue calculations. So we've been doing that already and we'll continue to do it. So if I don't have the answers for you today, we certainly will be making a list and continuing to feed those in. And so I'm gonna uh, set up the presentation now and uh, we'll get started. Okay, so here we are. Here's here out of the way to be able to. So we've called this connecting the dots. It's also uh, a uh, brief that we're putting out on a regular basis. There'll be an updated version today that will be in print that we'll send to to Landscape Ontario, and certainly they'll be able to pull from it the relevant information that they want to circulate to members, which will contain a lot more detail and links to the various application uh, portals so that uh, folks can have the information at their fingertips about how to access all of these programs. Um, my, uh, my affiliation and certainly a little bit more about me, uh, Tony had mentioned that I'm a principal with Ernst Cliff Strategy Group, which is a national government relations and public affairs firm. Um, I, I am a Waterloo Region resident and certainly linked to the landscape industry as my husband owns a landscape construction, retail and maintenance firm. So uh, this issue certainly uh, from your perspectives is, is one that I'm, I'm seeing on a daily basis within, within my home, which is, uh, has been great in terms of really understanding and, and being able to embrace some of the challenges that your organizations are facing. Uh, I have three little girls, as you can see. They are here with me, but have been appropriately uh, asked to, to remain silent and out of this conversation. Um, the, the big thing in terms of where to start for information, there's a ton coming and there's a ton changing. We find that every time that we put out a new edition of the Connecting the Dots uh, brief, uh, it's outdated within a half an hour with some new program or resource being, being updated or a new program detail being added to one of the signature programs that has been released by the province of Ontario. Where to start for information, the, the Government of Canada actually has a fairly decent portal which is linking to all the provincial resources and in certain cases municipal resources because there are programs at every level of government right now as you well know and interpretations are different across the board uh, depending on which jurisdiction you're in. Certainly the Government of Canada uh, is, is one of the best places. Also you've got an incredible resource in your COVID portal on the Landscape Ontario website uh, which contains a lot of the information and, and and really um, tailored to your organizations. As far as kind of financial supports for business and, and individuals, the key program and the main program that's been talked about over the last week and a half is the, uh, the Canadian Emergency Wage Subsidy Program. Uh, that is the 75% wage subsidy for businesses that was before Parliament over the weekend and passed uh, with unanimous support. This program will provide up to 75% wage subsidy for businesses experiencing a revenue decrease of 30% or more for April, the April and May periods and the 15% decrease for March. 
What the government has done and what the terms kind of that were finalized over the weekend is A, the, the change in the 15% versus 30% that needs to be shown for March. As well, they passed criteria that would allow businesses to choose one of two options for where that decrease is, is shown. So companies can either show the decrease uh, from year over year, so March, the same period uh, of March, uh, March 15th to April 11th from 2019, or they can choose an average of the revenue from January or February. If you choose the January or February option, it must be used consistently for any other months that you apply for the wage subsidy. So you can't flip uh, between the January or February the, for, for the period of March and then switch if you're applying uh, in April or May. You have to kind of keep consistent with either going for the previous year's revenue or January, February option, but it certainly does allow uh, businesses to do, you know, have a little bit more flexibility, especially if they've made some either sizable increases in their business for the 2020 year um, that uh, have caused their revenue to go up, but also their expenses. The program, as you're probably aware, is not tied to the number of number of employees. Big corporations, not-for-profits, and small, medium-sized enterprises uh, can qualify. It is going to be taken uh, on an average of the, of the employee's wages for the, the period that is in question, and employers will be re responsible for reporting that. The program will not apply to those that have been unemployed for a period of 14 days or more. That's when the next program or the individual program, the, the, uh, um, the, relief, the emergency relief benefit will kick in for those employees for the period in question. Another important detail is that businesses are going to have to update this on a, a monthly basis, similar to the, the Canadian, uh, Canadian uh, emergency relief benefit. Um, it is just for a, a time period and then businesses will have to go in on a monthly basis when the next, um, the next time period opens up to do the same reporting as previous. I'm going to leave it there. I do anticipate there'll be a, a number of questions. There is one more detail that I, I will report and that is that there had been a lot of questions around uh, whether or not T5 income or dividend income could be reported or could be utilized to qualify for the wage subsidy. It's been an active question uh, at the federal government right now. They have made the decision that it actually has to be uh, uh, wages that are, are a part of the calculation that, that dividend revenue will not qualify for this particular program. Um, but they are continuing to look at the issue as they do recognize that it will impact a lot of small businesses and certainly the business chain as sole proprietors record in, in, uh, income in, in many different ways and they do not want to cut the sole proprietors out of the equation. So we do expect that there will be new programs, but this one won't qualify for that type of income. Julie, can I, can I just interrupt you for a second? Sure. So Rafi, Rafi Hanimand uh, asks, uh, does the 75% wage subsidy include company owners who are on payroll? It will if it's if you are actually if you're on payroll, it will because you are uh, recording regular wages. It won't if you don't take a regular kind of reported income. And the way the program will work is it will actually work as though it's a, a tax refund, uh, and that's how it will be triggered. It will be a, it will be essentially in their back end system as though you've overpaid your taxes, and then the government will issue a refund. Are there any other quick questions on on that one before I move on? 
No, I think it's helpful for the members to know, Julia, correct me if I'm wrong, that it relates, it's all done through your, uh, uh, my business portal, through CRA and your payroll system. So if you're anybody that's my understanding anyway, is that anybody that issues a regular paycheck would already be in that system and already have history. Um, so I think I, was, I read the arm's length piece with owner. You, it has to be history before March 15th. You can't all of a sudden add yourself to the payroll. Right. Yeah, because you, yeah, you will be reporting from those payroll periods uh, and, and as well. So it does have to be history. And in terms of companies that aren't set up, most are, but if there are, we have heard issues around companies that aren't set up on the My Business Portal. It is a time, a bit of a time-consuming process, especially because the completion of the portal uh, process does require them to mail out a PIN number to you to, for you to get on. I'm not aware that they've addressed that issue. It is something we fed in that that is problematic. Um, the My Business Portal worked exceptionally well for the emergency relief benefit uh, for the um, for the My account for the CRA. It will likely work very seamlessly for business owners as well, but that first step is getting on. So if you're not registered right now, start the process immediately uh, so that this can make it much easier for you. Jimmy, uh, James, James Walk's asking uh, how long until they issue the refund? So, so how soon can they, they refund? How soon will the refund come? So we expect, um, so the program was just passed over the weekend. We expect it to go live very soon. There's a meeting happening within an hour with the Minister of Small Business, which should clarify the timeline and exactly when it will be opened up. Uh, government is uh, working towards a three to six week timeline to get money. There are, they recognize that people are in a cash flow uh, crisis and they are working towards the three week end of that um, to tr as a goal, but are giving themselves the cushion of longer. Thank you. And Atelio is asking, uh, do you know if it applies to commissioned sales teams? Uh, just let me pull one second. It doesn't include bonuses, it's regular revenue. Uh, I have the specifics here. Um, it's the wage level exclusive of bonuses, uh, it, uh, sorry, exclusive of bonuses above baseline pay, retirement allowance or direct or indirect loans or any front end loaded remuneration uh, schemes that have a higher value. Uh, it's the January to March 15th pay uh, with the expectation of lower work. So if that commission is uh, recorded sort of as, as uh, in, a, in a payroll remittance uh, format, it could qualify for it, but it looks as though it would, certainly wouldn't from a bonus standpoint. Tony, and, uh, Brent, oh, go, go ahead, Tony. Let's just go Brenda's there. asking, uh, uh, is a tax refund on a source deduction payment? Maybe you can clarify that a little bit. Yeah, so that's a great sure question. It won't be on the source deductions. That was what they were originally going to do for kind of what I'm going to talk to next, which is the 10% small business subsidy. It is going to be, um, certainly that information is going to, to uh, be important for the calculation, but it will be issued as though it's a refund check um, to you, uh, not as a not as an amount of money that you you take off what you're going to remit later. And Jackie Hart, uh, please review the average January, February versus decrease. She's and it's saying not clear. Um, sure. Okay. Sure. So I'll go through that, and then we, unless there's anything else urgent, I should probably move on because there's quite a bit more content, and then we can come back to all of these. So the average okay. 
January and February. So it's it's where they've uh, where they've gone in terms of the flexibility. They heard from a lot of employers that have scaled up over this past year, and that if you went if you if your comparable was the year previous only, that many businesses that should qualify wouldn't qualify. And so what they opened up was the ability for a business to elect to either compare uh, to either show the revenue drop. Um, based on a comparison between March 2020 revenue versus March 2019 revenue, or the option of doing it in comparison to what an average of your gross revenue between January and February would be. So they've, they've pulled those two periods together um, to try and reduce the uh, fraud and ability to kind of monkey around with the with the program. So they're asking you to basically add your, your growth revenue for January, add your growth revenue for February, divide that by two, and that'll be the, the number that you compare to and show uh, your loss against. Okay. So, so Julie, do, do you want to take more questions or did you want to move on to other programs? Because these, I want to move questions. on to other programs just because this, this one I know will dominate and it could actually dominate our time. So I'll try and go through the rest of them quickly because uh, with, with enough clarity to cover off sort of the low-hanging fruit and then we'll move to, to questions exclusively. Great. And, and I, I would uh, like to ask the attendees to, to focus your questions on the, the benefits programs uh, it just makes it a lot easier to to, to, to focus our attention because that's what what the uh, program is right now and we can deal with the other questions later on afterwards so, thank you great so um, so in addition to the 75% uh, wage subsidy the businesses businesses and small businesses that, that qualify for a small business uh, deduction, are still eligible for the 10% small business subsidy. So this program was announced before the wage subsidy and some of you may already be receiving it. This one is a, um, a, a remittance, uh, is tied to the remittance that you would pay for your, your, your source deductions. Uh, and it does allow that 10% to be removed from the amount paid to the, into the government. Um, it is for individuals, uh, partnerships, nonprofits, ch uh, charities, or Canadian-controlled private corporations. And it does link to, to the wage subsidy in the sense that if you're already receiving the 10% subsidy, it will be kind of subtracted off of the amount that you will receive from the Canadian emergency um, uh, wage subsidy uh, through the, the main program. So they do link together. Uh, you don't need to stop from what I understand uh, applying for the small business uh, subsidy, how it will work in the portal, but they are linked together. And certainly if you are receiving that already, uh, it will be factored into the, into the um, equation. Also, if you aren't receiving that because you aren't if you aren't going to be applying for the, the Canadian emergency wage subsidy, um, because maybe your revenue is stable, this is still a program that is, is available to you and it is not tied to a revenue decrease in any way, shape or form. So um, there is a, a, you know, a difference there for businesses that are, are simply hurting through this and maybe have experienced a smaller revenue decline to make them ineligible for the larger wage subsidy, this one still is available. Um, work sharing uh, is uh, is a is is an active discussion right now. Um, certainly, some businesses and and certainly this is applies to the landscape where certain parts of operations are open and certain ones are not open at, at this point in time because of the essential workplaces list. Um, work sharing is a program that uh, that pays for. 
uh, a, a, an hour's reduction uh, and uh, an hour's reduction over normal for businesses experiencing uh, some extraordinary circumstances. Uh, the program normally requ requires a very robust kind of reporting agreement uh, to be signed. They've eased some of the rules to provide benefits to workers who uh, agree to reduce their hours. It has to be a uniform reduction in hours across your workforce, so everybody by 10%, uh, and then that 10% would be uh, compensated by the government at a level of 55% of their average wages. Um, there is uh, there is uh, not no requirement to submit kind of economic data to support the program uh, in the new rules uh, that have been put forward, and it certainly is available to all kind of businesses regardless of of how you are 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 supporting. the The interesting thing is though it does link to the Canadian Emergency Relief Benefit because the new criteria for that is that you uh, that employees are able to receive that benefit and still work uh, up to 10 hours and uh, and be paid by their employer. So if you are looking at a work sharing arrangement or kind of reducing the hours of your workforce, there are sort of two options available to you right now. Um, but obviously the, the wage subsidy appears to be the best uh, the best program for, for qualifying employers that want to continue to keep their workforce on but might not necessarily be employing them at full capacity. Um, Canadian Emergency Response Benefit. This is uh, was or sorry, relief uh, response benefit was was opened up uh, last week. Uh, it was opened up at the beginning of the week. We've had millions of Canadians that have applied for the program. It's off to a fairly good start in terms of uh, the seamless uh, process. So if if your employees are on it, I'm sure that they've reported that. Uh, it, it's a really a three screen um, a process to go through. As I mentioned just a moment ago, you are able to have your employees laid off and uh, receiving the emergency benefit and also working up to 10 hours um, in, in your business. Uh, this program will be available for four months and then those employees that if they are continue to be laid off will be eligible to be transferred into the EI program. Uh, and uh, and it should be kind of noted, I'm sure that that people are pretty familiar with this program already. Uh, but certainly, it, uh, if those had applied for for EI and hadn't started receiving it, they've automatically been moved over to this emergency response benefit or relief benefit program, and uh, and uh, will will continue to receive it for the four month period as long as they reapply on a month to month basis. Um, Tax expense, uh, tax and expense deferral. There's been a number of uh, uh, tax and expense deferrals offered by all levels of government. Um, so I can't speak to every municipality, but certainly the CRA uh, is allowing businesses to defer tax payments with no penalty or interest until August 31st, uh, 2020. Uh, also, um, the you know any installments that would be due are certainly also going to be uh, at the discretion of the employer and will not there will not be any interest charged if, if those businesses are not making those installment payments. Um, in terms of the GH, GST, HST, uh, there is a deferral there uh, for uh, till June 30th, 2020. Uh, and certainly that'll be an equivalent of about a $30 billion program. At the provincial level, there's also tax deferrals uh, at the provincial level with no um, 
with no penalties. Again, same uh, same deadline of the August 31st, 2020. And we are also seeing WSIB remittances deferred till August 31, meaning that if you had Q1, um, uh, Q1 um, uh, remittances that were due, they can be deferred uh, with no interest or penalty till August 31st. The real benefit there will be if you're not um, accruing as many uh, premiums for the WSIB over the next uh, period that essentially once ideally businesses are up and running and from a cash flow basis, those payments will become due. Uh, at a municipal level, we're seeing a lot of uh, municipalities deferring property taxes and utility bills uh, when the utility is municipally owned uh, for a 60-day period. That's what's consistent. Uh, that's what's been most consistent. As well, there's been some permitting um, permitting suspended within the municipalities and more allowance uh, at that level as well. Um, from a business loans, the big program that uh, most smaller businesses and medium-sized enterprises have been talking about is the is the loan, the forty thousand dollar loan that's available through the banks and being administered through the banks. Um, this program allows businesses with payrolls between fifty thousand uh, and a million to apply for a forty thousand dollar loan. It'll be interest and principal payment free for the first year and guaranteed by the by the government of, of Canada. Um, the program certainly, as people are testing it out and applying, what they're finding is that the banks are still not going to loan money to businesses where they don't believe that there's going to be a reasonable chance of getting the money back, even with the government guarantee. And so there have been some hiccups there. Be very interested if you're hearing or having difficulty accessing the program for uh, odd reasons, certainly feed that information into to the task force and they can get it to us and we can see whether or not we can sort things out. One of the big questions that's uh, been asked around this program is around the dividend income because many small businesses don't actually take, uh, you know, aren't actually, don't actually put themselves on salary. And so they're wanting access to this program. That's a question that's being actively considered in terms of how they would potentially open up this criteria, but it is not open yet. Um, the other kind of component of this is that there is a, a $10,000 amount that will be forgiven if the entire principal, if the, if the remaining principal is paid off by December of 2022. So certainly for businesses that do anticipate to be able to need this for their short-term um, operational costs and things that cannot be deferred, it's a great program and potentially might uh, benefit you greatly, ideally when the economy is up and running again, uh, especially if you can pay off that $30,000 and be able to uh, accept the, the deferral or the forgiveness for that $10,000 amount. There will be some other programs rolling out uh, for loan guarantees for small and medium-sized enterprises. Those are expected to roll out mid-month and those will be run through uh, the Business Development Corporation and, uh, and EDC Canada. And so as those details become available, again, we'll be circulating the, the information in our Connecting the Dots memo and we'll be circulating it to, to Landscape Ontario. Um, mortgage deferral, uh, mortgage deferral, and I'll talk about commercial rents here as well. Um, certainly, uh, there's been uh, the Canadian banks have uh, made a commitment to support businesses and individuals through the, these times through mortgage deferral. 
uh, businesses and, and individuals can apply for these things, but there could be penalties as well as interests associated with that. So we are hearing unfortunate stories of that happening across the board, but certainly if, if folks are in an operational cash uh, issue, um, then, uh, then they are uh, potentially available. Um, potentially able to apply for, for a deferral to ease their, their burden at this point in time and get through this period. Um, the one thing in terms of commercial rents that has, that has been a, a big topic of discussion with the federal government in these calls on a daily basis, there has been no solution found yet for how to deal with commercial rents, um, but it will remain an active issue as it is highly problematic. And certainly I think landlords across the board from what we've been hearing, there's some that have been responsive and some unresponsive to, uh, to their tenants. Um, the challenges, those are businesses as well. Uh, and so how to uh, make sure that we don't cause an unintended chain reaction is, is something that they're actively considering. Um, essential services designation. I know this isn't where we're going to focus today, but I did want to mention, um, essentially we, we saw Last uh, Friday, the Premier come out with a more restrictive uh, essential services designation list in Ontario. Uh, that list, from what we understand, is, is going to be active for about a three-week period, and then they're going to uh, revisit it. Sorry, it was April the 3rd that the Premier came out with this list. And so we're really in kind of, uh, we're almost kind of nearing a week, uh, week uh, two here and then next week is when we're expecting that things will be re-looked at. The province did announce last week that um, they had appointed a post-COVID economic recovery task force which is made up largely of, uh, of cabinet members um, in Ontario that will be dealing with kind of how do we get back on our feet. The key things they're going to be looking at is kind of when is it safe to open up business and so certainly our we're working very closely with landscape ontario and we'll be wanting to to um, advocate for the safe reopening of, uh, of of landscape operations where possible uh, and so doing that in a respectful manner that puts ontarians and canadians first that uh, that won't see us back in a uh, March 15th situation of complete lockdown of the province uh, because of uh, inappropriate activity. So I think there's lots of opportunity here for, for landscape and certainly uh, it'll continue to be an active conversation. Quebec uh, added landscape to, to the list um, just recently and uh, so certainly the provinces have been collaborating uh, very closely and working together very closely over this period uh, and certainly are looking at the reactions of, uh, of their citizens in, in other jurisdictions to different moves but also are looking to uh, looking at, at what, what others are doing as, as appropriate guidance. Quebec had been one of the most restrictive in their essential services designation, especially in the construction landscape early on. So this is a really interesting move that they've opened this up. Um, temporary foreign workers just over the weekend and some of your operations may, may hire temporary foreign workers in it. The government did announce that there would be $1,500 for employers of temp per employee for employers that uh, employ temporary foreign workers who will have to be subject to the 14-day quarantine once they come into the country. Um, I am still looking to make sure that this will apply to those in the landscape sector. Certainly it will apply to those that are growing uh, because they, they fit squarely in, but whether or not all the designations for those employing temporary foreign workers will 
receive the funding is still a question that I'm, I'm uh, ironing out, but certainly it is there for, for some for sure. Uh, and we'll get you further information on that. The other program that might uh, be of interest uh, or you know, that, that was announced last week was the Canadian Su Canada Summer Job Subsidy, and this was that 100% of the wages will be covered for students hired through the Canada Summer Jobs uh, program. This program, uh, the application process is currently closed. Um, it, it is one that launches early February, I believe, and closes kind of uh, early March. Um, you know, certainly the program objectives are that you're, you're providing really quality work experiences for youth uh, and many, many landscape employers may have applied already for this program. It typically would provide 50% of uh, the wage and subsidy uh, if you're a for-profit operation. The program's been bumped up to 100% of wages uh, covered. So if you have applied for this program, certainly uh, there's a greater benefit coming your way if you are successful and the notifications for that will go out in May. Um, lastly, and this is a, a really uh, you know interesting one, is that, uh, that all levels of government are really looking for businesses to step up. Um, if there are things that you can be doing to support uh, Canada through this crisis, either to sell to government or to, uh, to, to um, donate to government, certainly they're looking for all information available and there's a number of different portals. At the uh, federal government level, it's the buy and sell.gc.ca. Uh, In Ontario, it's the Ontario Together. They are, uh, Ontario Together has also set up a $50 million fund that if a business feels that they could manufacture something specifically in the in the personal protective equipment space, um, they will gladly help that business uh, retool their operation and provide for allowable capital uh, expenditures to get that investment made and, and the PPE being made. I can say I was on a number of calls over the weekend trying to get an operation set up to develop masks and the, and the government of Ontario is very serious about this. And so if there are any opportunities out there, uh, they uh, wanna know and they wanna help. Um, so, you know, certainly uh, you know, please make sure that, that Tony and, and others are available. You guys may be set up in a, in a way that might allow you to contribute to this, to this effort. And certainly there's a number of different products that they're looking for that are listed on these websites. Call for Volunteers is also up there. Um, there you know, certainly are a number of interesting kind of opportunities, even up to tracking uh, how COVID is spreading across Ontario that uh, they're calling for volunteers. They're also calling for retired healthcare professionals to help in long-term care homes and other healthcare situations. So certainly may not be necessarily applicable directly to you, uh, but maybe someone in your family and certainly wanted to make sure that uh, that you were aware of the, of the immense call for volunteers across the board uh, to help Canada and Ontario through this crisis. So that is the end of the presentation. Wanted to leave as much time as we possibly could for questions. And with that in mind, I will end this and return to our, our regular screen so that uh, we can continue our discussion. Julie, thank you for, for the great overview of, of uh, the, the amazing programs that are available to support the businesses and, and employees. Uh, there are a, a number of unanswered questions that, that uh, I think we should, should uh, get to. Uh, and uh, the first one's from Joanne Turner. Um, the owners don't pay EI, but get regular wages. Um, can they collect? 
So that's for yeah, sure it's the not tied to the program. Sorry. Yeah, it's a great question, but yes, you can. It is not tied to your EI, your previous EI contributions. Okay. And Chris, your cart, uh, if my expenses are up and revenue stayed the same, not down 30%, is it based on profit or sales or revenue? My understanding is it's based on uh, gross revenue. Uh, Johan Bosers, is it only valid on employees currently employed, not on the ones that have not, have not started yet? So the amount of wage subsidy that you would get would be what you have paid, uh, what you have paid for. So the employees have to be kind of working for 14 days. Um, so you wouldn't be able to kind of prepay it. It's all retroactive in terms of, of the payment. Even the first pay period is for the period of March 15th till April 11th. Then the next will be uh, the 12th to the 9th of May and then the subsequent into June. So um, it'll all be retroactive and it has to be on actually what has been paid and received by employees. Uh, Ken's asking, what is available for businesses with zero employees? Uh, so it would really depend on the situation. So if there are zero employees, but an employer that is um, perhaps just, you know, this whole proprietor type of situation, the, um, the business loan, the $40,000 business loan might be uh, available to you at some point. We are trying to frozen. track down. I'm frozen? Uh, you were. Uh, for me anyway. So you're good? Okay, sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, there will potentially be that program. There's also the 10% the, the uh, subsidy. So the 10% um, uh, wage subsidy that would be available regardless of, uh, uh, of how many employees that you have. Uh, it would just cover if you're remitting on, on behalf of yourself. Tony, I have a quick question here while you go through those, um, if I could, Julie. With the tax deferrals in WSIB, um, should employers be remitting their, uh, their reports, uh, even though they're deferring payments? Yeah, so the, the forms, they definitely continue to submit your forms, but if you don't have a payment associated with it, it'll be, what I understand from the WSIB program is that you'll be automatically assumed to have deferred payment and there'll be no interest or penalty applied. Thanks. If I could add to that, just to, um, for, for, for uh, keeping business continuity going, is to um, be setting aside that money that you owe do that now instead of waiting until August when you owe a big chunk of money and don't have the cash flow to cover it. So set aside that money that you owe now. You know, you keep it in a separate bank account um, just so that um, you're not, uh, as James Walk said, it's not a grenade in your lap in, in August. Yeah, a little bit. You're taking advantage too of the fact that you might have had income, especially snow contractors or others, um, and owe a whole bunch of money this spring. If you defer it, then there'd be a difference on the night on that quarter come August. Um, so you you might be remitting with any losses between now and then um, would be offset by that payment. Uh, Jackie has a question. Can you get the ten percent small business subsidy plus the Qs? Yeah, so you can, but they don't. It won't be eighty five percent. So it'll still the maximum available is still the 75%, uh, even if you're getting them through the different programs. So 
Um, many uh, small businesses have already started to apply or, or started to use the, the small business uh, deduction. And so in that case, it will be, um, I assume, a question as part of the application process if you're applying it, and it'll factor into the calculation. It'll be essentially 65% of the, the wage um, subsidy will come to you through the, the check or the reimbursement, and then the other will be uh, a deduction from your source deductions. Uh, Brenda saying, so we should just report the source deductions that would be due. And I've lost her now. This is moving so quickly. <laughs> That's what I understand is that it's, it's going to be calculated on your source deductions when you choose to pay them. So there is obviously, uh, so there is a deferral right now at the federal government level in terms of what you would owe. So it will be an accounting as, as, your, as your colleagues and the task force members on here have said, um, if you are not going to from pay them because you wanna defer that, then just make sure you properly account for it and, and remove the 10% eligibility. Uh, Brian Cotter, is the 75% wage subsidy same as the 10% treated as income to the company and taxable to the company at the end of the year? Um, in terms of the the subsidy, from what I understand, is there will be no sort of um, CPP or EI um, uh, taken off the the wage subsidy, so those won't be kind of here you go and you're going to hit with get a hit with additional source deductions if you are receiving the the wage subsidy, um, but it won't be obviously it won't be treated as though it was uh, your money that was paid out. So from a from a tax perspective, um, yeah, I'm not an accountant, but you will certainly, I don't believe it will be counted as income on the, on the business, uh, but, I, but again, you won't have that expense, so it will have, a, have an impact on your, uh, on your uh, net income. I think, Tony, I think Tony, for the answer to that question, it works as money in, money out, because it's directly related to the expense. You show 100% uh, payroll expense at the same time as the income comes in, so the two kind of wash each other. You can't, okay. you can't put it as an uh, income into your account and accumulate it. Uh, both Rafi and Noreen have uh, similar questions. Uh, so we can pay our staff that are on the, the uh, CERB 10 hours with no penalty. Is that true? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. So the penalty, sir, yes, you can pay them um, and no penalty to them in terms of their CERB being uh, uh, revoked. Okay. And is the 75% wage subsidy taxable income for the corporation? I'll have to double check on that. Um, I'll have to double check on that for you. Okay. Uh, there's also a, a, a related question to the 10 hours. Um, is, is that monthly or weekly? So 10 hours in a business. So I'm sorry, I missed it. Did you say that they are able to work up to 10 hours? You did in the business and still receive the benefit. Is that monthly or weekly? It's weekly. Weekly, okay. Uh, let's see. One question that I didn't cover in my presentation, Tony, while you're mining those is that is the 25% top up. Um, that's a commonly asked question about, uh, do I have to pay that? Um, and certainly the government of, of Canada is hoping that employers will be in a position to pay the remaining 25% of the top up to their, their employees. The overall goal is that as many Canadians stay employed as possible. If a business cannot, 
there, there won't be a requirement to prove that you did or a test that you, you're going to. Uh, it, it will be, you know, certainly a, a choice for, for businesses in an ideal scenario. I was going to ask you about that, Julie, just to, to qualify as that circuit because it's going through your payroll. Um, you have to show what you paid your employee. And then they give you, I, my understanding was they give you 75% of whatever you paid them as money back to the company. So I wasn't sure when I heard the prime minister talking about that, how it actually, you would take away the 25% because if I paid my employee 25% less, then they're giving me 75% of the now 75%, um, all because it's going through your payroll portholes. So it's not a separate transaction outside of your payroll. Right, and so it's it's a really you know it's it's somewhat complicated, but for the business owners on here, it's not. Uh, if you do that, uh, if you paid 100% for March and March 15th to April 11th, you'll get 75% of that. If you pay 75% between April 12th and and, and May 9th, you're going to get 75% of 70 of of that amount, which will be not the same uh, as it was the month previous. Um, so it'll be 75% of what you've well, you've paid in your, in your yeah. Uh, Carla's asking, do you need do you need to apply for deferred payments? No, uh, you don't need to apply for the deferred payments. For the most for the most part, whether municipalities have different requirements in there, uh, I'm not 100% sure. But uh, but in terms of the provincial and federal taxes, you do not. Quick question: and, uh, uh, Is the uh, this uh, CERB program, that, that money is coming to the employees um, without any taxes taken. Those, right. ta those taxes will be uh, required come reporting of their income at the end of 2020, correct? Absolutely, and it's it's really important that you remind employees of this. Um, it certainly is something for those uh, that have kids on the, on the call, the same thing applies when you, when you have a, a little one. And uh, there's been many uh, families that have been stung at the end of the year, realizing that they have, you know, a couple of thousand dollars in taxes owing that they weren't prepared for. Thanks. Uh, so is the uh, CERB program, uh, you said it was uh, four months, right? CERB program is, is, will last four months. You have to apply, it, apply for it monthly? You do, um, you do. And I'll, I'll cover off a question that I'm also seeing uh, from Kenny here uh, in terms of, I'm uh, oh, sorry, Kenny and Everett around kind of the self-employed. The CERB program is available to anyone that has stopped working for them for the last 14 days. And so essentially the, the attestation in terms of, of income and stop work is is on there, but you you would be eligible. It is not again tied to EI eligibility rules uh, and is available for sole proprietors and small businesses. So CERB uh, is available for those situations and you do have to go on monthly. Again, it's a three screen quick process through your my account, your personal account portal. And essentially it's just a drop down list of which month you're you're uh, applying for when you stopped working and, uh, and a submit. Uh, James is asking of, of the, uh, the loan program is, uh, is the loan money in the bank or is that a line of credit that is accessed when you're out of money? How does that work? Um, it'll be a line of credit, but essentially it'll be a $40,000 line of credit that you uh, will be able to spend at your discretion. So you don't have to, similar to any other line of credit in your account, you can choose where you pull the money to pay for your, your costs. Um, it goes to that and every bank has their own kind of uh, information set up. What I understand is credit unions weren't initially part 
of the program, but they're being set up as well. Uh, Pam Sam's just relating her experience. She applied on Thursday and it's up and running as of this morning. That, that's fairly quick. Uh, Jody, uh, can, can self-employed designers do small amounts of work and still collect CERB in the same way as someone's working 10 hours a week? I imagine that you can. It's the first time I've gotten that question, um, but uh, the 10 hours per week is is on there. So provided that uh, that you're, you know, it, it's a reasonable amount of money. Um, this this program is intended to be simple in its administration and supporting Canadians. So you do have to sign some attestations, um, but it's pretty open. Tony, quick quick question, to Julie. Um, when do you have any indication with the 75% wage subsidy when employers might see that money back? A big question is cash flow. So if they're paying out 100% of the wages right now, it can drain some companies' bank accounts rather quickly. Uh, what indications do you have from the government of one when that pro that money might start to flow? But two, is it going to be like serve where it's it's a fairly quick replenishment of your uh, your cash so that you can uh, maintain proper cash flow? Um, it won't be as quick as CERB. CERB's up to three days uh, for people who have direct deposit, which is, is great. I've never seen government work this fast. Um, but uh, but uh, it is intended to be um, ideally three weeks. So from application three weeks, um, they are saying three to six, but we know that they're, they understand and they've been hearing from a lot of small businesses that cash flow is really in, in a crunch right now and they need to get it out fast. Uh, did you see Brenda's question? Uh, the comparison to January and February is not helpful for many garden centers as they need, as that is their quiet time normally. Uh, so they need to compare to previous year. Um, can you switch 10% for March to 75% for April and May if they qualify comparing to previous years on that basis only? We're getting the gist of that question? Uh... I got it in yes. I what I what I understand is that you have to either select you're going to compare to January February for all reporting periods or or do the March to March April to April May to May. Uh, we you know certainly that if if that's the the question if if the if the desire is to go from January February as a comparable to March and then flip, um, certainly that's an argument that could be made. Jeff, did you want to add to that? Yeah, sure. Uh, we're in a seasonal business too with like limited revenue in uh, January, February uh, and March. So um, the 15%, uh, it's 15% uh, in March and then 30% in April and May. Right. And so, yeah, you're, you're comparing year against year, not month against month in these seasonal businesses. So they've done it both ways so that you can, if you're in a really seasonal business, you can do it on last year. But if you're in a month to month business, then you can, then you can uh, do your sales drop monthly. Okay, that thank sense? you. Okay, Eddie's asking, what if you miss the minimum of the 50,000 payroll? Using subs keeps our payroll low, but monthly overhead is still significant. How do you deal with that kind of operation? From what I understand for that loan program, it's a 50,000 minimum in terms of the payroll. The big outstanding question is whether or not, um, you know, other sources of revenue like dividend income could be qualified. But, but 
from from what I from what I've heard, it, it that is the minimum for the qualification for those forty thousand dollar loans. Okay. Uh, Doug, Ford, Doug Ford did say that um, there's a lot of businesses out there, small business that is slipping through the cracks, and I'm seeing that. We're seeing that um, it's happening. Um, he said that he's going to look after those people, but I haven't heard any any programs yet that have been. Uh, um, specifically for that, but he says he's going to look after us. Yeah, he, I mean, certainly they continue to roll out programs. The federal government as well realizes when they drew the line in the sand that it had to be um, actual payroll, uh, you know, reported that they were cutting out a lot of small businesses and certainly um, chambers and associations and many others are raising that in terms of the, the really small businesses that keep the engine of our economy going. So between um, you know the federal government and the province, they certainly are aware of the issue. What they will do about it still remains a question. Julie, a question as it relates to uh, employees that are either on CERB program, EI programs, sub program, uh, a lot of employees particularly in seasonal businesses, we're on 13-week layoff over winter. They're normally coming back April 1st. Is there any talk at the government level, particularly the federal level, what happens to these employees when they reach the end of their normal term? Or if they move over into CERB, how long does that go before typical uh, employment standards kick in? Uh, constructive dismissal or other things like that that employers should be aware or governments hopefully working on it doesn't fit the normal rules yeah it's a it, it's an odd one because what what would happen unfortunately to those employees um if they are able to answer the question that they are not able to get employment now there is some changing uh, criteria that it is not up yet on their on their website so this is a question similar seasonal employees are kind of similar to students in a way that they won't be able to kind of get their employment because of the COVID 19 crisis and so uh, what I understand is they're looking at that in particular around the student question and making sure that you don't necessarily need to have been a laid off uh, for because of COVID um, uh, for, for these types of issues. So as the new guidelines are uh, published and, and whether or not they do apply to seasonal workers, we will continue, we will update you. But for right now, according to the program criteria that is published, it says that you have to either be have been laid off or um, terminated because of COVID-19, which does create a, a difficult situation for those employees that would have otherwise been hired back at this particular point in time. Uh, well, when's uh, question is uh, and a statement, my staff has, has uh, my suspended staff has applied yesterday and they had to attest that they would not be working while receiving the CARB. Are you sure that they can, if that we can still employ them for up to 10 hours while on CERB? And with whom can uh, she confirm that? Because they had to, to make that attestation. You know, I will have to get back to you today. It's one of the questions that we had in the queue for the, the session that was happening, uh, or that's happening in five minutes uh, with, uh, with Minister Ng, and that is when these new criteria are going to be up, because they did, uh, the Prime Minister did announce last week, and, and it was reconfirmed in the Cabinet briefings that 10 hours is permittable. Um, so, uh, but obviously as a business owner, you want to make sure that you're not going to be disadvantaging your employees or putting them in harm, uh, by saying this to them, you want it in black and white. So I can only, what I can say is that we'll get those criteria to you in black and white as soon as we possibly can. And certainly we're alive to the question. Um, 
because it's it's one, especially with the with the landscape industry right now, it's it's very important. Super. There's Julie, so can I ask a question here uh, for a second? Sure. Um, yeah. These programs often have unintended consequences, uh, and uh, some of them being things like um, uh, when you're trying to call employees back to work, they're making more money sitting at home. Uh, and also, I, I did have a question about students, and my understanding is on the CERB that if you made the qualification is if you made five thousand dollars in the past twelve months, then you can qualify for the CERB. Is that correct? And second to that, uh, a lot of university students, etc., made five thousand dollars last summer. They'll be applying for this and getting it and not wanting to go back to work. Is that your understanding as well? It's it's a challenge, and you know it's definitely it's a huge challenge, and and there's you know huge challenges with CERB and in in other sectors as well. I mean, long term care workers make sixteen dollars an hour. Uh, put your health at risk uh, for twenty one hundred, or stay home with your family where you're safe and work. So they're certainly looking at a lot of these issues. As far as the students go, I, I guess the one uh, so there's two things. There's the $5,000 is apparently going to be waived. So that'll be part of the kind of reissue and the criteria in terms of whether or not you had to have that income. Um, it was a problematic criteria that they are, uh, I guess, re removing now, which will allow a lot more people to qualify. Uh, on the student front, um, if they do uh, allow the students to, to uh, get hired, certainly it will provide them a benefit in March, April, uh, uh, sorry, for, for April, May, and June, but it won't provide it for the remainder of the summer. There is an ability for the the, the minister to add on another period, um, which you know obviously would have an impact on those students uh, and their employability. Um, it, it's not a question that I can answer. It, it is probably an unintended consequence. Hopefully, students feel that being employed and having things to show on their resume is the better long-term play, but some won't. So Julia, I want to change the subject just a bit, but but it, it is related. Uh, and uh, I want to talk about uh, how we as a, a profession, as an industry, um, get back to work. Uh, you know, we, we've had, uh, I mean, there's a lot of division in, in, the, uh, in the association right now because of the unclear, na unclear nature uh, of, of the essential workplaces list. Uh, and I'd love to change, or we, the task force is, is, is wanting to change the channel. It's time for us to work together. Uh, it's time for us to go forward, and it's time for us to, to, to figure out how we can work safely. Uh, and you're helping us, as, as Ernst Cliff, uh, uh, deal with that issue. Uh, can you maybe comment, uh, you know, on, on how we proceed? You know, what, what's going to get us back to work? Uh, how do we convince the government that, that we are part of the solution? Uh, and what, what are the steps, what are the next steps that we can unify everybody in, in a common messaging? So. Yeah, it's a great question. And Tony, you know, we've, we've talked about this many a time. I think that the, again, to going back to my kind of opening comments, um, that one of the most important things right now is to assure the government that if they do open you up, that you can do it safely and that you're not going to compromise the health of Ontarians and Canadians. Um, I think that that can be done. Uh, you're already ahead of the game, I think, working on protocols in terms of how you can work safe, whether that's, you know, 
uh, making sure that each one of, uh, of the contractors, uh, whatever equipment that, that, the, that the guys and girls that are working on your sites are using is their own equipment, it's not being mixed, uh, that they're traveling to site uh, if they're off-site uh, in their own vehicles and not sharing spaces, that they're, they're maintaining social distancing, but, but having those rules and, and assuring the government and demonstrating to them that you can open safely will be, I think, the, the most important part. Um, I think, you know, from my understanding and certainly from a from an Ontarian's uh, perspective, there's a lot of talk about people wanting to get out in their gardens right now. Uh, they want to access kind of the retail, certainly the retail operations can offer uh, no contact delivery right now. There's no restrictions on that, but there's lots of other things that um, that certainly in terms of retail operations that, that they're going to have to, to provide some assurances on. So the more robust um, information that we can provide to the government on how the all of your members can be able to work safely, and that includes the greenhouse operations and keep Ontarians safe, the more confidence that that um, that the government is going to have in reopening the business. I mean, let's face it, they want to reopen the economy because, and they want businesses operating and people at work for mental health reasons, but also for economic reasons. But they have to do that with the lens of, are we going to be hurting people? So the more we can do this week, Tony, to kind of provide that information into government, the better. And then ideally when they are reevaluating which lists can be open, uh, and which ones are not, they will have a defensible position if they are asked by anyone or any neighbor that's reporting into 311, why do you open landscaping? Why is pest, you know, is, is spraying for weeds uh, an essential service that they'll be able to say, we uh, are taking responsible steps to keep our economy moving. And we know that these operations can operate safely and keep Ontarians safe. If they can respond that way, they'll be able to uh, have the cover to start opening up different uh, industries. It's got to be authentic and it's got to be true. I think, Tony, it's helpful for the members on this, or the, the viewers on this call, um, and to share why Julie's here. The task force, yes, as early as yesterday, took the approach of uh, the moving forward in a positive way to work with sector groups to come up with those protocols. Uh, maybe with your help, Julie, reaching out to Rod Phillips um, as he's chair of this new committee uh, struck by the provincial government and the premier announced at the end of last week uh, to make sure we're at the table. He wants to, they, they want to work with industry groups to make sure those protocols are in place and they have the right information to move forward when that, that time is right. Yep, exactly. And happy to, to help and, and facilitate those conversations. Monty McNaughton is also on that uh, list, and certainly we've been working very closely with him as well. Omafra has been taking a lot of, uh, that's the Agriculture, uh, Food and Rural Affairs. Sorry, I went back to my old government hat in acronym land. Um, they've also been been very interested in what, what the uh, association has been saying, and, and Minister Hardiman's been uh, an advocate for the industry. Julie, our time's up, uh, and I just want to thank you and thank all of the task force members for, for uh, your service <laughs> and your help. Uh, and uh, I want to also thank all of the attendees as well. Uh, I know we could probably go on for, for a couple hours, but but uh, I think uh, we'll we'll stop for now. Um, and uh, just as as uh, just some words, uh, it's been been. Uh, painful to watch the division that the COVID crisis is causing within our membership. I mean, it's, it's time that we reduce the division and come together in a common effort to convince the government that we, as a unified profession, can and will be part of the solution. Now that the COVID crisis appears to be waning, 
uh, we need to focus our efforts on letting the government and the public know how essential we are. We have an unprecedented opportunity for our entire membership to mobilize our considerable communication potential in a common effort to tell our essential story to the government, to our clients, and to the public. But that essential story must be, be uh, uh, predicated by, by safety, a safety message. We have never had a bigger stage to shout out the benefits of what we do for a living. In the coming few days, we'll be providing you with the templates and suggesting messaging. Few other professions can deliver the environmental, aesthetic, lifestyle, therapeutic, economic, mental health, physical health, spiritual legacy, and many other life enhancing benefits we collectively offer. We make people happy. Spring is coming. Now's the time for us to work together. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening to the Landscape Ontario podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, we hope you'll subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get new episodes every month. And if you have an idea for the show, please email me at scott at landscapeontario.com. Thanks for listening.